The Wonderful World of Dark Lords Report 5 Halloween Town When I came to my senses, I was surrounded by the darkness of the sack, moving in a way that suggested that I was being carried by some four-legged beast. I prepared to cut myself free with a dagger when my conveyance stopped, the sack opened, and I was greeted by a sight like a most improbable dream. The buildings around me were in dull grays and blacks, skewed into bizarre angles and curves, and milling about them were monsters of every description. A werewolf, a family of walking dead, a bat with the sweet voice of a child, and more. They were in the process of erecting a circus tent, albeit one rendered in shades of black and orange, and overseeing the proceedings was a skeleton, its body so spindly as to defy belief. Its clothing was simple and utilitarian, and it wore a sword at its hip. I was suddenly put in mind of a traveling carnival I had seen many years ago, and of the woman who governed it. Was this her skeleton? Before I could wonder about this too much, my captors began shouting excitedly to the skeleton, calling him Jack, and saying they had found a magic act for the carnival. This was my introduction to Halloween Town, a land whose jaded king will try on any role for a moment's diversion, but whose ultimate idea of entertainment to humans is disturbing at best and deadly at worst. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread, because if we tap our horror fan trait, the GM might give us inspiration this session. Along the way, we'll look at the Dark Lord, the domain itself, and some plot hooks and adaptation ideas to integrate this setting into your own campaign. Today's episode, Halloween Town. Real quick logistical note here, in the spirit of mashing up holidays, we <laughs> are recording this on the 4th of July. We think the fireworks are over. Yes, the party does not seem to yeah, be. Yeah, it sounds like there's a little bit of after party still going on, but we really wanted to get this recorded. We're super excited about this episode. So uh, if you do hear a random backbeat or uh, or sudden explosions, that's what's going on here. And if it, the music gets spooky all of a sudden in the backbeat, it means Jack Skellington decided to be Uncle Sam. <laughs> so yeah, we are really excited about this episode because Nightmare Before Christmas is probably my favorite movie. It's between that and One Cut of the Dead, which people who are able to watch R-rated movies listening to this, if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead... It's really good. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. So it's my my favorite movie about my favorite holiday meets my favorite game. Like, I right, this was describe a, how psyched I am. This was like the best and most challenging episode mm -hmm. from a lot of perspectives because if you talk about Disney movies, spooky stuff, horror, this is the number one thing that comes into people's heads, especially for doing animated. But also, this is something so specific mm -hmm. for the holiday of Halloween, the kind of cultural experience of Halloween, and so specific for the tone that how we then take that and adapt it to a setting that's none of those things was a real <laughs> challenge, but one that I hope you will conclude that we rose to. Yes. One of our biggest challenges here was adapting our Dark Lord because, spoilers for our next section, we did decide that Jack Skellington is a better Dark Lord choice than Oogie Boogie in a lot of ways because, you know, Halloween Town is much more a reflection of him. This is his movie. But there is the obvious problem that he's not evil. <laughs> Way back in episode zero, and I believe a little in episode one, which more of you seem to have listened to, <laughs> we, we said 
one of the potential pitfalls for listening to episodes with your kids, even if we're not getting into any adultish content, was the fundamental premise of taking these movies and making them into Ravenloft domains involved making them like darker or more tragic or more sinister. And this is the first really big specific example of that phenomenon I think we're running into. Yeah, that, you know, Abuela pretty much was the villain of Encanto, mm-hmm. just not as much of a villain as we made her. Peter Pan is a total jerk. He's not evil, but he is just the worst. Terrible person. <laughs> but here we are really having to do a version of Jack Skellington that is the worst version of himself. And if you want to do this full horror, you know, again, kind of get a little bit of spoilers here for Tone, we're, we're going to be doing kind of like a, a goofy slapstick Nightmare Before Christmas version of this that would be a lot more lighter and fun. Or we have a version that's really going hard in on the horror. And if we go with that version, it's going to be an almost unrecognizable version of Jack Skellington, right. which could be upsetting to your kids if they're big Nightmare Before Christmas fans. It's, it's something that, it, it's my favorite movie, and part of why I love it is because everyone is so affable. So it's, it's yeah, something yeah. that I, I actually had a little bit of trouble yeah, with yeah, until yeah. Like, I cracked my, my interpretation of Jack Skellington, which we will get to. <laughs> like, if your kids have a bunch of Jack merchandise, or if you are listening to this right now in your Jack Skellington slippers with your Jack Skellington PJs sipping coffee in your Jack Skellington mug on your Jack Skellington sticker-covered laptop, this might be upsetting because to make this work, we kind of have to do the worst version of Jack. We have to have his worst qualities and take away a lot of his best qualities. And that's like that was kind of hard because he's such a likable character. That's part of why there are people that buy all the aforementioned Jack Skellington merchandise because he is so likable. There is a Jack Skellington blanket that my children got me for my yeah. birthday within within view of our uh, podcasting nest. So just heads up, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're going to get into sort of our formula going through the Dark Lord in just a second. But like, if you love Jack Skellington, if your kids love Jack Skellington, you've been warned. Yes. So without further ado, let's talk about all the stuff we've been spoiling in our Dark Lord section. The Lord. The citizens of Halloween Town fawn over their pumpkin king, Jack Skellington. Jack is wildly emotional, swinging from the heights of manic joy to the depths of despair, depending on the progress of his latest project. From the few coherent statements I was able to glean between the citizens' bursts of breathless, rapturous praise, Jack is some sort of spirit or fae embodying festivals of autumn death into the harvest. He has, however, grown bored with this role and is constantly trying out new ones, with the Mistress of Carnival as his latest pursuit. The town's mayor confided that Jack sometimes sends his three cronies to capture the people he impersonates so that he can replace them, and I can see why he decided discretion was the better part of valor in this particular case. I confess that the ceaseless gaiety of the townsfolk both rankled and puzzled me. No matter how much frivolity we insert into these harvest festivals, they are dark and dangerous times at heart, where fey, fiends, and the undead lurk far too close for comfort. None of that darkness was evident in Halloween Town during the preparations, and it seemed almost obscene to turn such a baleful time into a night of frolic. However, at one point, I heard my three kidnappers whispering about another, more vicious spirit called Oogie Boogie. From what I would later witness, Oogie has all the murderous cruelty that Jack and his admirers seem to lack, although his freedom to indulge in these proclivities suggests that Jack does not entirely disapprove of them. So we're going into this segment assuming two things. Number one, 
you know who Jack Salentine is, <laughs> which I think is a very safe assumption for our mm-hmm. potential listener base. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to right. a Ravenloft Disney podcast, like you have at least one piece of Nightmare Before Christmas merch in your yeah, house. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Number two, you know what a Dark Lord is. That premise, Jack Salentine is the Dark Lord, contains those two assumptions. So we've pretty concluded we don't have to worry about one number one. But maybe number two, maybe you saw, ooh, a podcast about Nightmare Before Christmas. That's, that sounds fun. I love that movie, in which case, my condolences. But I hope you listen anyway, because we're going to have some fun stuff to say about it. But if that's you, Rachel, what is a Dark Lord? I love after 15 years, you still whisper sweet nothings to me. <laughs> well, a Dark Lord is an evil being who has committed some kind of act of ultimate darkness that drew the attention of the dark powers of Ravenloft and made them say, we want to play with you forever. And so they took this being and they locked them in a domain which is a hell of their own creation. It's perfectly designed to torment them, to reflect their psyche, to reflect their evil acts and kind of mock them with the desires they can't achieve. And for our Dark Lords, we usually talk about there being four traits that make for a really compelling Dark Lord. So we always go through and talk about how those four traits apply to Strahd, who is a Dark Lord who most of us are probably the most familiar with, and then talk about how those four traits either do apply to the character in the movie or how we had to kind of make them apply to the character in the movie. Because once again, Jack Skellington, as written... Not evil. Bit of a goober. Not evil. So our four qualities are, number one, the Dark Lord has to commit that act of ultimate darkness. This is the origin story. Yes. And in Strahd's case, it was killing his brother because he wanted to get with his fiancée. Number two, the Dark Lord has what they call in Vanerick's Guide to Ravenloft a torment. And because this is a Disney podcast, what we call, they got what they wanted, they lost what they had. And in Strahd's case, it's he got everything he wanted, he, his brother's out of the way, he has eternal youth, so he doesn't have to worry about being too old for Tetyana, except, oh yeah, now Tetyana is dead and keeps reincarnating, but he can never ever be with her. So it's this funhouse mirror version of what he wanted. Our third is an element of tragedy or relatability. They're not just evil for the sake of being evil, there's something about them that makes us say, oh gosh, yeah, I can see why you did that. And in Strahd's case, he is a horrible person, but unrequited love is just the worst. And then our fourth is that the domain in some way reflects the Dark Lord, reflects their personality and their curse, and Barovia is vampire land. It's got wolves, it's got bats, it's got darkness and frightened peasants to feed on, and it's just everything a vampire could want, and it's also incredibly boring and doesn't have any kind of pure intellectual equal to Strahd, because part of his curse is his loneliness, and congratulations, you're lonely forever, because you killed your brother, good job. So Jack fits some of these quite well already, you probably mm-hmm. figured out the fourth one was not much of a stretch for us. <laughs> the, the fourth one is the big reason we went with Jack instead of Oogie, because... Right. Halloween Town is just, it's Jack's domain. I mean, that's that's all there right. is to it. He's the pumpkin king. But others, we had to stretch a little bit. And the number one where we have to go into our own alternate universe, our darker version of Halloween Town... Is another thing that might be traumatic for your children real quick. I'm going to interrupt because remember if Santa Claus got away, what if he didn't? We're going to be discussing this yeah. in detail. So, be, <laughs> consider <Fair> yourself warned. <laughs> so... This is where we have to go off book because this is where our timeline diverges from the movie and where we create this sort of darker shadow version of Halloween Town then from the movie. So in our version, the act of ultimate darkness was kidnapping Mr. Sandy Claus because in our version, 
Jack never got blown out of the sky. He never had the comeuppance of realizing how utterly his Christmas was a catastrophe, which is the thing that inspires him to, to sort of look at all the decisions he's made and realize how many mistakes he's made. So in our version, he just does horrible horror Christmas <laughs> and flies home for the celebratory spooky eggnog, totally content in the job that he's done and totally confident that all his decisions were the right decisions. And in this version, Oogie Boogie eats Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we're digging into is this idea of the sort of willful self-delusion with Jack, which once again isn't out of nowhere. Because why did he have Lockshock and Barrel kidnap Santa Claus in the first place? What did he expect yeah, to yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah. So in our version, there's this whole Jack... He would tell you he just forgot about Sandy Claus, and then, oh, oh, well, it's, that probably solved it. I assume Lockshock and Barrel taking good care of him on a farm where he can run and be free with the other holiday guys. They probably took him home. I, t I told yeah, them to right? take him home, so they probably did that, and, and everything's I'm not, fine. I'm not going to ask them. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, on some level in our version of Jack, he knew this was going to happen and kind of wanted it to happen, because then he gets to do Christmas again. Like, he can just he, be Santa Claus forever. Right. So that is our act of ultimate darkness. It's kind of the combination of in the movie kidnapping Sandy Claus, but in our version, like when he comes back and has the eggnog and doesn't ask Lock, Shock, and Barrow what happened to Sandy Claus, that's when like the mist came around Halloween Town and brought it into Ravenloft. Then we have that torment. Got what they wanted, lost what they had. Once again, we have to move the timeline forward here from that act of ultimate darkness. And in our version, he was Sandy Claus for a couple years. But you know what? Then he got bored again. It didn't fill the hole. It didn't fill the emptiness inside of him. So then he tries another holiday, maybe. O Oogie Boogie eats the Easter Bunny. <laughs> or Oogie Boogie eats the Leprechaun. Or Oogie, Oogie Boogie eats turkey. It's Oogie wholesome. Boogie we all eats eat the Tom turkey. turkey. Like, <laughs> and they, he'll do it, and it'll be fun. But he just keeps trying new things and keeps building himself up and saying, oh, this one's going to be the one that makes me happy. But it never will be. And once again, on some level, he knows this. But he's not consciously willing to kind of... Because once again, he's made... He's got a body count now. So for him <laughs> at this point to have that realization that he has in the graveyard in the movie, that would be too much. It would cost too much for him. The sunk cost fallacy is a heck of a drug. Yeah, it is. Our third element is the element of tragedy and relatability. We've all been bored. We've all been restless. And more than that, we've all looked for some kind of external change to try and fix our internal problems. We've mm -hmm. all said, if I could move to a new place, if I could get a new job, if I could get a new haircut, if I could get a new, like style or look, if I could go on vacation to a particular place I want to go to vacation to, I would be happy. Get a new relationship. Right, get a new relationship. Yeah. Then then I will be happy. Then this emptiness inside of me will be filled. And so we can all look at Jack. And even though you could describe this movie as Jack sulks and ruins everything for everyone and then, <laughs> and then is sorry and everyone forgives him, we all, like feel Jack's lament. We feel that sense of discontent and emptiness, and we all kind of wince sympathetically when he says, oh, I found this wonderful new thing, and that's going to be what 
makes me happy. That's going to be what fixes my life. You you couldn't see listeners when Tom was describing Jack's torment that when he was saying, this will be the thing that makes me happy, I was sitting here wincing so hard because, Jack, honey, that's not yeah, how it no, works. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. If you're not happy being Jack, the king of Halloween, you're not going to be happy being Sandy Claus. No. And you're not going to be happy being the Easter Bunny. No. As much as I'd love to see you in the outfit. <laughs> Like, get in the outfit first, and then go to therapy. And finally, as we said, the easiest, the one that you were like, oh, yeah, Jack Skellington. <laughs> when we, Rachel was going through them, the domain reflects the personality. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes here, this is Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> Everyone hail to the Pumpkin King. That he is sort of in our reckoning, and I think pretty clearly in the movie's reckoning, he's kind of the spirit, the avatar of Halloween. Halloween Town is so much an extension of him, an extension of his whole being that we had to go with Jack just because he is to Halloween Town what Strahd is to Ravenloft. Yes. Even in the movie, just without all the evil and cursing and stuff, but just in terms of the relationship of the core NPC and the place. Mm-hmm. And another way, you know, it, that's kind of it reflecting his personality, but a way that it also works beautifully as it reflects his curse because part of his curse is that he wants to stop being the Pumpkin King. He wants to be something different, but it will always be Halloween Town. No matter what he does, no matter what kind of lipstick job he does on it, underneath, it's always going to be Halloween Town. And he's never going to get away from that. He's never going to be able to leave it behind. This is a little bit of a spoiler for the domain section. I know, sorry, we're all over the place this episode. This is a complicated domain. But we're having it be a uh, floating pocket domain, sort of like Carnival, that can go from place to place, because that explains how he can do Christmas in different places. And the image of just wherever he goes, he's dragging Halloween Town with him. He cannot escape it. Even if he's being Sandy Claus going and doing Christmas somewhere, he is stuck in his Halloween Town domain and he's pulling Halloween with him and he cannot get away. Christmas is going to be spooky and full of skeletons. Easter is going to be spooky and Mm -hmm. full of skeletons. Valentine's Day is going to be spooky and full of skeletons. It's always going to be Halloween at the base because... He's always, it's always coming out of Halloween Town. As you can probably hear right now, our 4th of July is spooky and full of skeletons. Right, yes. If we start here <laughs> screaming, then hopefully it's just Jack Skellington. But let's back up again. I keep saying let's back up because this is a complicated one, everyone. This, 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 is, one's, this one's weird. Uh, we, we, we love it, but it's, this is a weird one. Like picture me pointing at a corkboard with a lot of red string. Fay <laughs> Wild? Question mark written on it. <laughs> Most of these domains, we can say Ravenloft, you've got these little countries, they've got rulers, they've got people living there, they've got different vibes, and everything we've done so far, even the one with all the talking animals, <laughs> we could just do that. But, like, how do you do Halloween Town? How do you do, it's a town for a holiday which doesn't exist in Ravenloft, and also it's full of, like, monsters and skeletons, and also it's like do they have trade agreements with barovia do they they have a werewolf exchange program with strad like what would the 30 exhaustive write-up on the flora and fauna on weather and agriculture of halloween town well dr finkelstein did an internship in lamore yeah right really helpful to him so we more than any other domain we've done or probably will do Mm -hmm. need to sort of talk about our conception of where they were before they became a Ravenloft domain. Because everything else is a country. Mm-hmm. It had people. They did bad stuff. Mist happened. Bang. 
this one, there's a whole backstory just to the domain that Rachel is visibly excited to share with all of you. So I will let her do that. Rachel, what is a Jack Skellington? I am wiggling in my, like literally wiggling in my seat with excitement because we are going to get into all kinds of metaphysics of all kinds of bizarro domains. I'm so psyched. Okay, so our inspiration for Halloween Town, a part of it came from the Nightmare Lands as it is in both 2E and 5E. Because you know, in 5E, it is, you're kind of getting sucked into this girl's nightmares, as I recall, that she's having mm-hmm. these, right. you know, she's, she's having these nightmares that are being pulled into them. And in 2E, it was the idea that there were these sort of nightmare gods, basically, and that they sort of occupied this mystical nightmare dream space that they would drag with them wherever they went into your dreams, much as Jack Skellington drags Halloween Town with them wherever he goes. You can see the exact connection here. I am very happy this made this domain doable, that we had the Nightmare Lands as a precedent. That we had a well-established domain that was not just a country bordering other domains or just a place you could go through the mist from other places in the mist, but that was a kind of metaphysical space in another layer of reality from the rest of Ravenloft that you got to from any other point in Ravenloft via dreaming. Like, that that is part of the canon back in 2nd edition, brought back in 5th edition. That gives us something we can then build on as a precedent for Halloween Town. So, in our conception of Halloween Town, this is actually an area where Tom might be doing a little bit more of it because this is kind of getting to the 5e metaphysics with the right, Feywild right, right. and the Shadowfell. So I'm going to, with great reluctance, give the reins <laughs> to Tom again before snatching them out of his hands. I want them, oh, I want them, oh, I want them for my own. <laughs> so we are imagining that across the planes of the D&D universe, in many, many different planets, many, many different nations, cultures, there are the seasons that we know from Earth, and there is the the summer changing into autumn, connecting with the harvest, and the sense of winter being oncoming, and winter being a more dangerous time, a more t- a terrifying time. So across the planes... There is this parallel holiday, this repeating holiday of a kind of right in the middle of autumn as you're really coming out of summer, starting to shift into winter, and this sense that this is a holiday around a time when the wall between the shadow fell, the wall between the world of the dead, the wall between the world of the spirits, the horrors, the whatever, gets thinner. And so people have to do certain rituals and certain activities and have these like kind of gatherings in order to ward off, kind of get through that night and ward off the potential evil dangers, demons, goblins, ghosts that are spooky, scary skeletons that are stalking (laughs) in the material plane on that night. In Ravenloft, I believe the main named ones that we get are in Darkon. And we're going to, when we talk in parting thoughts about incorporating other domains. We're going to get into this a lot more. Mm-hmm. But Darkon has the Festival of the Dead, which is kind of their celebration, sort of like, you know, thumbing their nose at the idea of death, having big parties where they, you know, have pageants and scare away these, you know, people dressed as, as brightly colored skeletons. And then Darkest Night, where they say, actually, we're terrified of the undead. We're going to hide in their houses with all of our lights off. Please don't kill us. Right. I know... Kryn had, like, the Festival of the, the Eye. Festival of the Eye, yeah. Right. In Waterdeep, there's called Trolltide is mm-hmm. one. Really, it's fun to do a Halloween story. Mm-hmm. So 
any D&D setting, you can probably kind of find some parallel to Halloween. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, that's this version of Halloween. Yeah. And so you have this powerful sort of psychic resonance across the plains, and it ends up manifesting in the Feywild. And it manifests Halloween Town, which is the sort of living incarnation, the living manifestation of Halloween, of Darkest Night, of Night of the Living Dead, or whatever it's called, (laughs) of the Troll Tide, of all of those holidays, which for convenience, we're just going with Halloween. Mm -hmm. That is Halloween Town. And it had Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, who ruled over it, and they sort of manifested the experiences related with those holidays and also kind of would travel to the material planes to sort of make those experiences, to just be a part of those experiences of the fear of the forces of darkness and the kind of gathering together in communities through that kind of fellowship and that togetherness ward off those forces of mm-hmm. darkness. But over to Rachel. Over to me. Passing the baton. <laughs> But things with Jack Skellington as this manifestation of Halloween, as Halloween got more domesticated, as it got, as it went from this holiday where you hide in terror from the creatures of the Shadowfell to this holiday where, you know, you go out on Night of the Eye and get cookies or whatever, then we're kind of doing an idea of sort of a Mage of the Ascension slash American Gods idea where as this perception of Halloween changes, it changes Jack Skellington also. He's becoming more domesticated. He's becoming more tame. He's going from, you know, a master of fright and a demon of light has devastated the souls of millions and frightened hunters into an early grave to life's no fun without a good scare. That's no job, but we're not mean. Right. And actually, I think it's really cool with Darkon that we do have this specific, these two holidays, that one is very much just the party day and one is the hide and terror day, that Jack Skellington is really becoming much more the festival of the dead guy. That he is just representing this very tame, very domesticated, very fun idea of death. But all of those fears of death, all of those things that we're genuinely afraid of, the actual you know, worries that something is going to come out of the Shadowfell and grab your children, the actual, you know, we live in Darkon, the untead are not in fact funny. Any of the, the Halloween decorations that we see here on Earth that we look at and kind of go, oh, that's, ew, that's, that's a little, little much. much. I don't yeah. want to think about that. That had to go somewhere. And so part of Jack's psyche split off to become the shadow on the moon at night. You see where we're going with this? So Oogie Boogie is actually a manifestation of the evil side of Halloween and sort of like a Mr. Hyde to Jack's Dr. Jekyll. How aware of this you want them to be is up to you as a GM. We are pretty much having it be that they don't see themselves as being the same being. Like Oogie Boogie just knows he came into existence one day. Jack Skellington just knows Oogie Boogie showed up and was awful one day. But they are the same person and they don't know it. And that is why Jack Skellington has this existential emptiness inside him, because he truly isn't a complete person. Right. He has lost his shadow, Mm -hmm. metaphorically and literally in some sense, that he has lost one of the things he's supposed to be the manifestation of, of the genuine terror of this time of year. Mm -hmm. He's lost that. That's become Oogie Boogie. And that's also why Oogie Boogie has this desire to overthrow Jack and become the Pumpkin mm-hmm. King because he's got that kind of push to be the spirit of Halloween because he is, in a way, the manifestation of Halloween. And 
also why Oogie Boogie is kind of darker and more violent and more brutal than anyone else we see in Halloween mm-hmm. Town. And why in our version, jumping ahead a little bit, surprise, take a drink. Um, <laughs> he is pushing to make Halloween horror again to like make to kind of go back to that older peasants huddled in their little huts around the fire desperately praying that the the noises they're hearing outside are just going to pass through that the offerings they left out will be enough to appease the spirits and then just just trying to make it in terror white knuckling it through the night hoping to see the dawn like he wants that again Mm -hmm. and this is also a way that you know splitting jack in half like this and having it be that oogie boogie is also jack this is one more kind of cheating and making it so that if you don't want jack skellington to be evil then he doesn't have to be that Oogie Boogie is his shadow self. The evil that Oogie Boogie's doing is kind of getting thrown onto Jack because on some subconscious level, Jack is aware that it's happening. But it can be as conscious or as subconscious as you want it to be. And if it is almost entirely subconscious, if he really is repressing Oogie Boogie really hard, then Halloween Town is still a reflection of the Dark Lord. It's just a reflection of another aspect of the Dark Lord. And... We do have a precedent for this idea of sort of the dual Dark Lordship with Borka, with Nova Vasa being kind of the Jekyll and Hyde domain, particularly older Nova Vasa, where, as I recall, in newer Nova Vasa, both alter egos are pretty bad. In older Nova Vasa, the Dr. Jekyll was more Dr. Jekyll-y. So there is precedent for it there, and it lets you not have Jack Skellington be so bad if you don't want him to be. Right. We love Jack Skellington. Yes. And it hurts us to make him (laughs) a monster. We just want to keep him a skeleton, not a monster. So we're trying to build in this slider where you Mm -hmm. can make Jack as bad as you want to. But as Rachel said, we have a kind of escape hatch where you can be like, yeah, a lot of bad stuff happened and Sandy Claus got eaten. But it's not really Jack's fault. It's not really conscious. He's just kind of the victim of this circumstance that split him. These external forces that split out this shadow part of himself. Or even even if you, you don't want to see that he's a victim, because you know Jack Jack is in the movie very willfully ignorant and self delusional. You know, he is he makes terrible choices, and Sally tells him they're terrible choices, right. and he keeps right on doing them. This is all Jack's fault, but he's not evil. He's you know he's chaotic neutral at worst. I'd say chaotic good, and. So you could have it be, you know, these are genuinely Jack's mistakes, it's Jack's fault, but at the end of the day, he's not the ultimate evil Dark Lord animating force of, the, of Halloween Town. And since we're having Oogie as a co-Dark Lord, I'm not going to throw all four of the things, because he's not nearly as interesting or simply like a mm-hmm. character, but he does have the fundamental torment of like, you know what, no, it's not going to work. You can't be king, you can't be Jack. You can't restore Halloween. We're not, people are not going to be huddled in their huts waiting for the dawn again. It's going to be candy and, you know, wooden troll masks. And that's the torment for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, element of sympathy, tragedy, relatability. Good luck. You're on your own. Yeah, have fun. Oogie Boogie's the worst. Like, subscribe. <laughs> if, if you think of something, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Yes. Tell us what you think of. So let's go as Dark Lord. Jack has uh, his own powers, his own dominion, his own special abilities. For the base for Jack, we're using the Scarecrow. It's a low CR monster, but is a Scarecrow. Like he is, a, he's literally he's, a Scarecrow. Yes. The first scene and it does have a fear power, and that's kind of the main 
power we see him have, that he has this ability to frighten Lock, Shock, and Barrel into good behavior, that he has frightened millions in early grave or whatever. So we'll start with our go-to move when it's a political ruler Dark Lord, (laughs) and that is the charisma abilities and the servants that he has who are all the residents of Halloween Town, that Jack... Number one, he is incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. And once again, that's part of why he's such a likable character, even though if you just read the plot, you'd be like, this is the worst person in the world. <laughs> this is a movie about cultural appropriation. This is a movie about a jerk, and then everything works out great for him. Because he's a little sorry. <laughs> but he is so charismatic and so likable. And this is one where we've looked at a couple different types of leaders And this is one where it's just not, they don't just obey him or fear him. You know, there is a little bit of that. You know, we might lose some pieces and then Jack will beat his black and green. But they like him. Like, everyone Mm -hmm. adores Jack. Yes. Everyone is like... The witch's fondest dream. Right. Everyone's like worshipfully, fawningly impressed. Like, he's like Poochie. If Poochie were like the... Great! If he were just the best! If Poochie were what he thought he was. Right, and everyone's just always like, literally, everyone's like, where's Jack? What's Jack doing right now? Every scene Jack's not in. So he's got this intense charisma that could be very high charisma score. Also, clearly, like, that's the charm ability. That's the mass suggestion ability. The town meeting song is like, hey, everyone, let's do this bizarre thing in two months. And they're all like, a splendid idea. This Christmas sounds fun. They all cheer. And, like, that's my suggestion right there, mm-hmm. is I've got this crazy, bizarre plan and means we have to basically work nonstop for two months. And they're <laughs> all like, that sounds like a marvelous idea in what is probably normally our off-season and our vacation time. It's cutting into their time planning into next Halloween. Right, exactly. Too. Like, he was he was worried losing a day. This is two straight months <laughs> out, of the, out of the Halloween plan. And then we also, we mentioned that he frightens millions into an early grave. So the frightened spell, you know, that kind of is in the scarecrow, the ability to do the frightened condition. And then into an early grave, Rachel had the brilliant idea of the sea hag has the death glare, which if the target is frightened, basically they die. (laughs) So bingo, bango, super frightened, scary, scary to an early grave powers. Then finally, the power all domain lords have the ultimate plot device power the power <laughs> that stops the players from going somewhere else until you are good and ready for them to leave and that is closing the borders and so one thing obviously you would have the doors be closed and uh, in the, the other holiday lands and then also maybe just you get lost in the woods if you can't find the gates out if jack's closing the borders maybe something with like this mist that makes you more lost like because classic mm-hmm. and, and did, there was mist on christmas eve so mm-hmm. maybe you could even like imagine that as sally sort of trying to do a version of closing the borders mm-hmm. she knows people can't leave when it's misty so she's trying to make it misty and then we have oogie boogie as our domain lord and i'm gonna let rachel talk in a second i'm talking a bunch about this <laughs> but i'm very proud of the basic stats because yeah, this this was this was all this tough. was a lot this of was, work yeah try to find a dnt monster that is like redoable as oogie boogie so in the adventure, the Lost Laboratory of Qualish, which was like an official Watsy thing, it's on Dandy Beyond, there's all like, it's a lost laboratory, so there's all like the crazy mad, some magical science stuff. And one of them is sentient leather golem armor. So it's basically like a semi-sentient suit of leather armor that someone kind of like made a golem out of leather and then made it so you could wear the golem. So Oogie so Boogie... That's the last qualish. So 
Oogie Boogie has stats similar to a swarm of insects inside, in this case, a fully sentient suit of leather golem armor. What if three kobolds in a trench coat were horrible? Or 300 spiders in a trench coat. <laughs> so other powers Oogie Boogie might have. Well, he has his followers, but we I don't think that he has any sort of supernatural control over his followers. Like, Lockshock and Barrel are worshipfully devoted to him, but we never see him, like, use any kind of whammy on them, so I think it's more just he lets them indulge their worst selves in a way that Jack doesn't. Or even that they're really one of the darker ones, and they recognize him as sort of the true, so like, in their mind, he is the true spirit mm-hmm. of Halloween. Like, he is what they want Halloween to be. Because yeah. they would love to be actually setting people's houses on fire and not just throwing eggs at them. Yes. So, much like Maleficent, now we have two Dark Lords who don't have any kind of bad suggestion charm stuff, so good job, guys. One thing that he does have, though, are a ton of lair actions. He's got clockwork creatures, he's got constructs, he's got whirling buzzsaw traps, like any kind of clockwork lair action trap you want to put into his little crazy casino you can throw in there. He definitely has a frighten ability like Jack's. You know, we don't hear about him frightening people into an early grave, so I don't think he has the death clear, but he does have the frighten. He, again, doesn't have the charm. Nobody likes Oogie Boogie, except Lock, hmm. Shock, and Barrel. And the other thing that we see him do is when Sally is sneaking in and trying to rescue Sandy Claus, and he sees her, you're trying to make a dupe out of me! He does that big, like, summoning this huge wind and sucking her off of the wall. So it would work as being a gust of wind, only pulling... He could pull you toward or away, because if you can right. blow in addition... You could imagine that. Like so. He blows someone away as well as sucks them in. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the part in the last couple episodes where we have gone through and we have talked about the trait, the ideal, the bond, and the flaw. And mm-hmm. we have been doing a thing where we, like Rachel, will pick some quotes... And we'll kind of talk through which one we think best represent the trade ideal bond flaw. That takes a bit because it is sort of the live process and the talking through, going through the thought process. And it would especially take forever in this one because there are so many quotes for Jack. The past couple that we've done have been Peter Pan and Maleficent. They don't get villain songs. Jack has four songs that are all about his interiority. Right, He's got yeah. Jack's Obsession, Jack's Lament, What's This, and Poor Jack. And they're all about just what's going on in his head. So it would, it would right, basically right, just right. be me reading the lyrics to those songs to Tom, plus a couple of other quotes here and there. So we're doing something different. We are each going to have prepared a our thoughts. Like, go through those songs. We each pick... What we think for Jack for the trait, the ideal, the bond, the flaw. Same thing with Oogie Boogie, since him as a co-dark lord. That's the shorter list of possibilities. Probably a lot more overlap there. It was a real challenge to come up with a trait for Oogie yeah, Boogie. Ooh, mm. And we're going to go through them. We're going to talk about why we picked it. And then go from there. We're going to each kind of pitch our trait, ideal, bond, and flaw. And then decide what one we're going to go with. But as I mentioned, this is a section of the episode that takes up some time. Because we kind of have to talk through it. Go through the thought process. Consider possibilities. Do you, dear listeners, want us to do this? As, keep doing this as part of the episodes. We're going to put up a poll on our Twitter and on our Facebook. Our Facebook is Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Our Twitter is Wonder Dark Lords. And in the poll, we'll just say, do you want us to keep doing what we're doing? Or we kind of talk through it live on the air? 
Do you want us to just pre-have that conversation, just present those? Or would you prefer we just leave that out entirely and it's there on the DMs Guild write-up of the domain if you want to go see what our thoughts were on those things? And if you want us to do it on the air, do you prefer it the way we did in the previous episodes or do you prefer it the way we're doing it this episode? So, so yeah. yeah. Make your voices heard. In the spirit <laughs> of the 4th of July, yes. go and vote <laughs> and make your voices heard as to how you want us to go forward with this feature. So here we go. We're going to go through the trait, the ideal, the bond, and the flaw. We will each give our choice for that for Jack and then for Oogie where I expect there'll be a lot more overlap because he doesn't have four songs about his interiority. He in fact has one song mostly about his exteriority. So let's just jump right in. Rachel, for Jack Skellington, what do you have, what quote do you have for his role-playing trait? I had year after year it's the same routine and I grow so weary of the sound of screams. Very, very close to mine. Mm -hmm. I have Oh, there's an empty place in my bones that calls out for something unknown. I originally had that, and then mm-hmm. I changed that over to his bond. Because I feel mm. like his bond is to the unknown, and right. I'm calling out to that. Like, I, I had a couple others originally that were like Christmas-specific, mm-hmm. but I feel like we wanted to have kind of the more general idea of him longing for the unknown right. for, his, for his bond. So... We both agree. This is a thing we talked about when we were we were planning this section. These are NPCs that are particularly tricky to do these because we are imagining them, and Tim Burton is imagining them, as the personification of these holidays. Of Jack is sort of is the king of Halloween, not just the reigning monarch of Halloween, but is sort of the spirit and the personification mm-hmm. of Halloween. And that means... The trait, the ideal, the bond, they're all going to be interconnected. Yeah. So we're basically both hitting the same note, but we're trying to say the same thing with our role-playing mm-hmm. trait choice. So curious, what did you have for his bond? What I have for his bond is, and I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, have grown so tired of the same old thing. I thought really hard yes. about that one. Yeah, I think that was a close runner-up. So I, think, I think we can go with your trait and bonds because that was Ooh. a, a key. I came real Two close for to me, that one. listeners. Because <laughs> then you get that he's the pumpkin king and the desire to the same routine. Right, exactly. That's the thing is that with the bond, because the bond is what is the most important relation to something external. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a person, but it could be an organization. Or in the Lost Mind of Fandover starter set, you even have this wizard and their bond is to their spellbook. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a spell book slash journal of their experiences, and that's mm-hmm. their bond. So it's, it's the most important thing in their life. Yeah. I, I had to be that his, his most important bond is to his ennui. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reason I like this, if you're, here, if you're clicking, I'm writing down so we can put it in the write-up, because mm-hmm. you know, this, is a, this is a process. So for me, this one, the, the trait, the empty place in my bones that calls out for something unknown, mm-hmm. is that whole, the ennui, the emptiness... And that, that that calls out for something unknown, that he's mm-hmm. trying new things, a desire for novelty, driven by the sense of emptiness, that that's what's driving a lot of his actions in our positing of Jack. Mm-hmm. And for the Bond, I picked I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, have grown so tired of the same old thing to try and consider sort of the two-sided. Mm-hmm. He's got that envy. He's got the getting tired of the same old thing, but he is the Pumpkin King, and he can't stop. And the kind of interplay between those two parts of who he is. And even when he sings it, it's the very bombastic, the Pumpkin King, and then the very mopey, right. like, grown so tired of this. <sighs> Okay. All right, two for me, listeners. <laughs> All right, how tr- ideal? 
have you got for that? I'm curious. You might have this as your flaw, because mm-hmm. this can be very close to doing our choice for his flaw. But my ideal for him was, oh, but I could improve it too, and that's exactly what I'll do. I'm pointing and grinning, because yes, that's my flaw. See, I had it as his ideal, because his ideal no, yeah, is the yeah. improvement. Right, that it's, improvement. it's important that he really does think that he's going to be able to improve these things. No, absolutely. So... Yeah. For me, the ideal, I have the empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply mm. cannot get enough. I want to know, I want to know, I want it for my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I, I came real close to having, I want to know, I want to know, I want it yeah, for right. flaw. For the flaw, I went with, why should they have all the fun? It should be long yes, to anyone. Yes, Not mm. anyone, in fact, but me! <laughs> that was, we were all like... <laughs> Circle in the same. Looping. Because we're all looking for quotes that communicate the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Jack has like four separate songs that are communicating a lot of these same ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's just which line more clearly communicates the specific aspect of Jack we're, we're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. So even though, like that's my longest is, you know, uh, normally like it'd be like the two lines. So it'd be the empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply kind of get enough and I'd stop there. But, you know, I have to have the I want it. Oh, I want it. Oh, I want it for my own. Yes. Because that's the heart of his mistakes is not just the empty place is filling up. It's, I want it for my own. I have mm-hmm. to have this. I have to possess it. But no, I, I bet I could improve because that is the ideal. So mm-hmm. yes, I think we'll go with that. So typey, typey, type. I'm writing <laughs> down our notes. I bet I could improve it too. And then the, the parallel. Because yeah, in here, once again, these, these are so interconnected. Yes. That the, the ideal and the flaw are this sort of two-sided coin, this Arabarus. So we have a bet I could improve it too. And What's the line? Why should they have Why all the fun? Why should they have all the fun? It should belong right. to anyone. Not anyone, in fact, but me. Which, again, was my longest because you got to have right. that whole thing. Right. You have to have the but me. Not anyone, in fact. So in both cases, we have he's being driven by the ennui. Mm-hmm. And he's encountering these amazing experiences. But the the sort of the dark side of that, he wants those experiences. And that's kind of the ideal. Mm-hmm. But the dark side of that is the this sort of self-centeredness and the selfishness and the not anyone in fact but me. I bet mm-hmm. I could improve it too. Like, yeah, I want to know. I want to know. I want it for my own. That that kind of desire to to possess this experience mm-hmm. in a way and not just sort of let it happen. He can't. He can't just enjoy it and be a bystander. He has to. Mm-hmm. Own it. All right, oogie boogie. As you said, expect <laughs> a lot more overlap. Tom chuckled when I said that I had a hard time choosing Oogie Boogie's trait. I did, in fact, have a hard time choosing Oogie Boogie's trait. The ideal blonde and flaw were easy, mm-hmm. but his trait is, you know, being a giant jerk to Santa Claus. Right, yeah. And Plus, once again, all these are sort of interconnected. Like, I'm Oogie Boogie. I'm a bad yeah. dude. Like, that's all of these things. You can't have your trait be, you're joking, you're joking. That doesn't really make sense. Out of right, if I, like, ex- could explain it to you. See, <laughs> what I'm saying here is that he's very skeptical of the claims. To but we we can't do that. So, all right. What do you got for the trait? For the trait, I had, ooh, I'm really scared. Kind of the sarcasm, mm, the right. all he cares about is intimidation. That, like, he's not impressed ooh, by Sandy Claus. I Sandy Claus think isn't about scary. that, but that's a good one. I had to dig deep. <laughs> I had to dig deep for the trait. <laughs> so, my trait and my flaw are kind of parallels. Mm-hmm. And for the trait I have, it's much more fun, I must confess, when lives are on the line. I had that first flaw. Mm, yeah. yeah. With, with, with the flaw, if I may jump a little mm-hmm. bit, dear listener, I have this with a parallel to that, which is because I'm a gambling boogeyman, although I don't play flaw. Yeah, I thought about both of those, 
and I went with mm-hmm. What's your flaw? I must confess from lives around mm. the line, not mine of course but yours, oh boy, no, that'll be just fine. I God, think so much. It's like you need the whole thing. It's so much. So I think, I think the gambling boogeyman is better for okay, the Okay, cool. Yeah. And even the idea that like he cheats and that's part of the flaw mm-hmm. but also your PCs will get it if you throw this NPC at them, who's this huge, who's a gambling boogeyman, <laughs> although he don't play fair. Mm-hmm. Like, they will get how to interact with this dude. They will get how to, like, problem solve with this dude. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm running really low on power, so I'm just going to go through my, my last two real quick. Okay. So, my ideal is, unless it's my longest one, it's hopeless you're finished, you haven't got a prayer, because I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie, and you aren't going there. Ooh, no I didn't even think about that one. And just this idea of, like, I... I win, I dominate, I'm Mr. Just the idea of I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie. Mm-hmm. I'm the Oogie Boogie man. Mm-hmm. You can't escape. You got. You don't have a prayer. And my phone's about to die, but the, for the bond, this is the one I'm proudest of, mm-hmm. is I have I'm the shadow on the moon at night filling your dreams to the brim with fright. I had that for his ideal. I had right, his, yeah. I had his bond as the sound of rolling dice to me as music in the air. Ooh, that's interesting. That his, that his strongest emotional connection is to game. Ooh, yeah, let's do that. So... Sound of roll tickety clickety click. <laughs> Sound of rolling dice. Yeah, the strongest connection, strongest emotional attachment is to gambling. And then, so for trade and ideal, like I hope, hope we remember what I just said because my phone's about to, <laughs> is like basically dead. So, what are you thinking for okay, trade? Okay, so ideal? for trade, you had gambling boogeyman. I gambling boogeyman. We kind of got that with the flaw. Yeah. Did you have gambling boogeyman for the trade, or did you have uh, much more fun? I must confess with lives. Right? I had much more fun. I must confess with lives on the line, but I feel like we've we've kind of captured the gambling stuff yeah. pretty well. So, d- ooh, ooh, I'm really scared. Was what I had? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, I'm really scared. And then we both really zoomed in on that. I am the shadow on the moon. Yeah, at night. I do. Real- I didn't think about that, Mister Oogie Boogie, and you went going nowhere. That is yeah. a good idea, also. But this is this is really what we're going for. It's him being kind of like the dark god of Halloween. Right, right. Like the, the one that I knew I was going to use for something, mm-hmm. and it was the I am the shadow on the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. Because for that is the the line of Oogies and the aspect of Oogies that we have most zoomed in on for our perception mm-hmm. that he is. The, as you said, the dark god of Halloween. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got our trade ideal bonded flaw for both of our co-dark lords mm-hmm. here. And once again, we're going to have a Facebook and Twitter polls. Let us know, do you prefer it this way? Do you prefer it the way we did it in Peter Pan and Sleeping Beauty? Would you prefer we just present it as a fait accompli? Or do you want us to just not talk about it on the podcast at all? Mm-hmm. So, let us know. So, we talked about how it was so tricky because both of these are the kind of these living avatars of Halloween. So who they are and what their strongest relationships are and what guides their personalities is all wrapped up in that. But there also means they have this kind of unique connection to the domain, even more than a regular domain lore, mm-hmm. because this domain itself is also a kind of avatar of Halloween. So let's talk a little, we talked a little about how we developed the Dark Lords. Let's talk a little bit about how we developed Halloween Town. The land. After a few days of madcap preparation, which involved teaching four fastidious vampires to swing from a trapeze, using alchemical concoctions to hide the mayor's reflection, and pressing a doll-like construct into sewing dozens of circus tents, as well as drilling me in Jack's expectations for my conscripted magic act, a mist rose around Halloween Town, and when it cleared, we were in Richemolo's capital city of Pontemazzo. The city was between outbreaks of the Nas. <laughs> 
thank the gods for small favors. But those who came expecting a jolly carnival would probably have preferred a few weeks of quarantine. The less that is said of the audience participation in the Snake Handler and Fire Eater acts, the better. Although most of the monstrous performers seemed oblivious to the spectators' terror, a few seemed to delight in it, and I noticed my three kidnappers performing subtle acts of sabotage to make the routines more frightening and dangerous to the humans who were forced to watch them. I am reasonably certain that more than two-thirds of the people who entered the Hall of Horrors were supposed to leave it with their limbs intact, and I know for a fact that my hat was supposed to contain a rabbit and not a miniature hellhound. I didn't even know they came in toy breeds. The three children, a thoroughly unpleasant clown, and a hulking undead figure occasionally escorted one of the wounded toward a crooked treehouse on the outskirts of town. None of them ever came back, and by the end of my unwilling visit, I discovered why. As we said in the intro, I'm so glad that we have the Nightmare Lands as our precedent, mm -hmm. because that helped for Neverland, the idea of this sort of secondary reality as part of Ravenloft, mm -hmm. in Ravenloft, canon, that we could build on that, but even more so because Neverland is is much more of a place, whereas Halloween Town is much more of an idea. Mm -hmm. And the Nightmare Lands is not the only source material we are drawing from to come up with this very bizarre. Like, <laughs> I feel like if we worked, <laughs> if we worked at TSR or WotC, they would have like given it back to us. I'm like, no, this is too much. This is. <laughs> This Weird. is this is way too high concept. How about like Mummy Land? Like, could you could you just pick a universal? <laughs> have we done a Phantom of the Opera domain yet? Like, but this is the Colors, and I love Nightmare Before Christmas and Tomless Claymation, and we both right. love Ravenloft. So you're stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, imaginary editors. We're gonna do this really bizarrely high concept domain. So. Rachel, as someone who loves Nightmare Before Christmas and Ravenloft, tell us about what in the metaphysics of Ravenloft is Halloween Town. I have been preparing my yeah, entire life whole. for this moment. My goodness. <laughs> Twelve-year-old Rachel just like stirred her head up and heard the heard the call of destiny. My hour is come. Yes. <laughs> so as Tom mentioned, and as we mentioned when we were talking a little bit about Jack, uh, back in the, the Lord section. We are using the Nightmare Lands as a major precedent for this. The idea of it sort of being this, like, free-floating concept, even, more than a domain. And with the Nightmare Lands, you can't get there unless you're dreaming. It used to be, like, before the Grand yeah. Conjunction, <laughs> you could just walk over to the Nightmare Lands from Barovia. Be that imaginary TSR editor's like, yeah, cool, put it on the map, we'll put Halloween Town on the map. <laughs> and, like, I don't, I haven't read the supplements in a while. There might be a way to get to the Nightmare Lands while you're awake, but the main way to get there is through dreaming. Um, so we can, can you have a similar thing with Halloween Town. Maybe you can get there just holding your spooky pumpkin mist token or because Lockshock and Barrel show up and grab you in their bag and drag you away to Halloween Town. Or if you're in kind of like a Halloween-y frame of mind or like Halloween is coming up, you might accidentally take the wrong step and fall into Halloween Town. All right, we see a little bit of this with Jack. He just goes to a random graveyard. Mm -hmm. There's not like a special magic tree door. It's just mm -hmm. like a graveyard and he can open a tomb and go to Halloween Town. This mm -hmm. idea there's like all the places of the world where it's Halloween 
in spirit. It's a very Changeling the Lost, actually, yeah, yeah, now that yeah. I think of it. Because they have a whole thing in Changeling the Lost about how you can enter Arcadia through these, you know, kind of esoteric, like, you know, you jump over an open grave and when you land on the other side, you're in Arcadia. So if you want to get your Changeling the Lost on, then number one, let's be friends. Yeah. Number two, Halloween Town is a good way to do it. I didn't even think to put that on the bingo card. <laughs> Good job, honey. I love you so much. I love you too. (laughs) So the Nightmare Lands is one of our big inspirations for kind of having the idea of a metaphysical concept as a domain. Our other inspirations are domains like Carnival or Sire 1313 or in the older stuff, Sayana. There is this idea of these floating pocket domains, that Carnival's not just in one place. You know, Carnival will go and it'll visit Darkon, and it'll visit NVIDIA, and it'll visit Rishmalo, and just Carnival goes everywhere. And so with Halloween Town, we have the same sort of idea, that either you can get drawn into Halloween Town and see all this wacky stuff, or Halloween Town can come to you. Just like we saw in the movie with Jack bringing Halloweeny Christmas to Earth. You know, the, the Ravenloft description of that would be he's sort of bringing Halloween Town with him. The floating pocket domain is coming and superseding itself over some poor, hapless yeah. Ravenloft Town that's just trying to have its Winter Solstice Festival, and then <laughs> this nonsense happens. And there's a skeleton <laughs> giving people murder plant wreaths. So sometimes it's a mist island, and sometimes it's going to other domains, so just like it did in the movie. And we have kind of some adventure ideas for both of those, because... In our conception of Halloween Town and of Jack, we don't want it to be tied as much to specific holidays as it is in the movie, because then, like, what even is Christmas in Ravenloft? You don't want to necessarily do a deep dive into Ravenloft holidays. Like, we did a whole Googling for D&D setting equivalents of Halloween. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to do that. And also, those things aren't going to have any kind of emotional punchiness with your players if you're like, oh no, a skeleton has taken over Farfig Night. <laughs> and you have to be like, well, Farfig Night was, was a 300 year old festival celebrating mm-hmm. a victory over the. Like, yeah, that, it's not that the impact of taking over something, they immediately sort of recognize what Jack has done and the bizarro version they've wandered into. Mm-hmm. A version of that that we came up with, you know, the whole idea is that Jack is going to these other places and being inspired by these other places. Well, as you've picked up probably from the, the D narration in between here, in Ravenloft, that means he's going to these domains and picking up on what's going on in these domains and trying to start acting out these stories that he's seeing there. That he wants to try being Isolde. He wants to try being Alanic Gray. He wants to try being Van Richten or Strahd. Or for some incomprehensible reason, Vladeska Drakov. Why would you want that? I mean, Jack? don't do everything that. else. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> He'll try anything once. Right. <laughs> the fun of Nightmare and the sort of dark, delicious fun of the, of the second part of the movie is making Christmas, is the mm-hmm. just weird, grotesque, cheerfully, like, twisted, funhouse version of Christmas. And we just, we see making Christmas, and we, like, wince and laugh, and it's great. And the way to bring that experience into a Ravenloft game, especially kind of, like, domain-hopping one, is they get these bizarre, grotesque, carnival, funhouse versions of domains. Mm-hmm. Especially domains your PCs already know and are familiar with. You know, don't do bizarre, carnival, funhouse version of Damon Lou if they've never been to Damon Lou. But if they have just did Damon Lou a couple months ago, and then suddenly they're coming to check Skellington's Amazing Masquerade yes. Ball, that's going to be a blast. That's going to be hilarious. They're all the Halloween Town people and ill-made ball gowns and... <laughs> 
masks and say, shouting trick or treat at each other because what else do you do when you dress up in a costume? And a mask? Yes. Like, or just you have. You think you're in Falkovnia, but Vladislav Drakov is a skeleton in armor and is yelling at the zombies for breaking character. <laughs> and the zombies are like weird Halloween town people in zombie costumes. No, no, no! You're supposed to be mindless! <laughs> Sorry, Drak! Just, right, it's, it's great. Half the reason we decided to do this episode for our, our October one is we started, we just kept making each other giggle with like coming up with Jack variants of domains. So we'll talk about this more when we get into the adventure hooks, but you could do kind of that. He's superimposing into the domain and, you know, doing his weird parody of the domain. Let's call that the kind of carnival version. Okay. Where you're in regular Ravenloft and then Jack swoops in with his posse and <laughs> makes everything real weird. Yes. And then we have another kind of story you could do where it's more the Mist Island version where you go to Halloween Town. Mist Island Halloween Town, it might be that they're like, you know, kind of building some weird structure within Halloween Town to play in. Or it might be that you are Santa Claus. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Just like D, you have been kidnapped and brought to Halloween Town. But unlike D, it's not because they want you to be like the, the magic act in the carnival that they're going to be taking to other domains. It's because Jack is going to go and be you. Or because Jack has like, built a dungeon and wants you to participate in it. Right, yeah, like, he's the fighter, but he needs a cleric. Mm -hmm. So, basically, and we'll get into this more, it's either you are playing, like, the people of Earth during Christmas, mm -hmm. or you are playing Sandy Claus. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's who your PCs are in our two kind of story ideas. And I know we're kind of jumping ahead, because this is usually the stuff we talk about in Dread Possibilities, but it's kind of critical for understanding how we're spinning Halloween Town here. So, sorry guys, this episode's a little bit scattershot. I mean, like, it was like corkboard, red string. Yes. Halloween? Question mark? <laughs> so, Tom is making this work for me. It's Nightmare Before Christmas yeah, and yeah. Ravenloft. This is my birthday present, guys. <laughs> So, Halloween Town itself, like, imagining that you're not doing Carnival, that you're doing Mist Island, that, that your PCs are Sandy Claws, that they have come to Halloween Town from the, re the regular world. Here is how I am imagining Halloween Town as a, like, a polity. As weird as this is. It's, like, the most bizarre. <laughs> Despite the fact that of all the domains, this one has a mayor. Like, to imagine Halloween Town as a setting you would interact with. We're imagining it that you do have those two people vying for control. You've got Jack and you've got Oogie Boogie. And once again, that's, we know that Oogie Boogie does want to take over. He does want to kill Jack and become king of Halloween. And that in the movie, it's pretty much just Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Like, that, that have that. But our imagining is Jack, because he's doing this weird cycling through lives and making them do all this different stuff and many, many, many Halloweens have gone by that they haven't participated in, it's actually causing a division in some of the Halloween town people. That there is a sort of political faction now of Oogie Boogie loyalists. And that the sort of hook of the cult of Oogie <laughs> is to go back to Halloween. You know, we're Halloween town, we're just going to do Halloween. But then the sort of second level doctrine is we're going to go back to old Halloween. Mm -hmm. We're going to go back to blood and sacrifice and people huddled in their huts while we kill anybody we <laughs> find as we roam through the streets on All Hallows Eve. 
So to do a quick go through of the Nightmare People, because this is one of those things where I think a lot of you know all the NPCs of the setting. Mm-hmm. And so they have merchandise of various. Yeah, NPCs right. Like <laughs> we're looking at a set of figurines right now yes. that have all these people I'm about to talk about. <laughs> So maybe, maybe we're just projecting on you. Yeah, right. I feel Sorry. Like, uh, here are you clicked on Nightmare Before Christmas. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> You've been a hot topic. So we've got the Jack Loyalists, and they're the dominant faction. They're with various levels of enthusiasm going through these whole like cycling through different holidays, different lives, different domains. The mayor, obviously, because he's so sycophantic to Jack. Mm-hmm. We've got the witches. We've got the lake monsters because they seem to really be into Jack. Oh, yeah. And then like most of the others were going along basically for Jack's sake. They're like less enthusiastic about this project. Many of them want to go back to Halloween, but they're so loyal to Jack that they're going along with it. And that that tension could cause some of them to flip over. For the Cult of Oogie, we have got, obviously, Oogie Boogie. We've got Lock, Sock, and Barrel. We're imagining it's also now been joined by the Clown with the Tearaway Face because he's, he's the worst. He's just nasty. He's, he's just a jerk. Not and a nice guy. That's the one that's like, wow, this is a, a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> a Wolfman, cool. I am the Clown with the Tearaway. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I don't dream about that tonight. So he's really like some of that old dark. He wants to kill people yes. on All Hallows Eve. Yes, he does. He wants to tear away their faces. Right, yeah. And then we have Behemoth, who's the, the one with the overalls and the axe in his head. And that's more, and this could be a fun NPC to go with, that's more because he's bros with the clown with the tearaway face. Yeah, we see him like chest bump mm-hmm. in the in the in the congratulations scene. Mm-hmm. And I think he's sitting next to him in the town yeah, meeting. Yeah, yeah they're they're I buddies. So. And so he's kind of trusting him and going with him, but he's not so into the ideas. You get he's kind of very simple. My buddy, he's very simple minded. Comes across as kind of gentle, even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like like yeah. So maybe maybe I'm just projecting Lenny from a vice of on right. him, but. I mean, they had him go, Bunny. Yeah. That could be fun character for your PCs to flip. Mm-hmm. The sort of... Uh, PCs love the, like, gentle giant who's got bad friends. Yes. And then they can, like, get them to, like, no, be do what we say. We're your good friends now. <laughs> and so that could be good. And then we're also imagining that kind of the newest member is the Wolfman, the werewolf, because he's kind of mean, kind of snarky. He's got that whole screaming, aren't you scared? And this is Halloween. He, he snarks at the mayor a bit, so that he's... Right, he's willing to go against the grain a little bit. He's a little nastier, so he would also... He's the one I'm imagining that he's really into the idea of going back to just Halloween. And they're sort of trying to work him into going back to... Also, it'd be fun to eat people. <laughs> and then we got two sort of wild cards, and they're they're connected. And one is Sally. Obviously. And Red, obviously. So she rejects both of these mm-hmm. because she obviously, obviously rejects Oogie Boogie. <laughs> She'd but, like to join the crowd in their enthusiastic class, Exactly, But yeah. try as she may, it doesn't last. And now it's just plural for those things. <laughs> so this... We like this movie, guys. Um, <laughs> we didn't write down these quotes. No. Just, so she is the one that sort of rejects both, is not helping Jack, is still like holding out, got a torch for him, still holding out hope of reaching him. And she's going to be really important because she's going to be like the helper NPC. Mm-hmm. She's going to be the one that meets your PCs, that is not a part of the craziness going on, that's willing to answer questions, mm-hmm. to explain things, to help them escape. And then we also have Dr. Finkelstein. And Dr. Finkelstein is interesting because he like clearly has respect for Jack and affection for Jack. But like when Jack comes to his lab, he says, you'll come in, my boy, which is not... 
which is sort of like he likes him. He's happy he's doing science, but it's less worshipful than a lot of the other. Like it's sort of equal or even paternal. And also we're imagining Dr. Finkelstein is important making all these like crazy automatons to do and all these machines to do all the bizarre stuff Jack wants to do mm-hmm. to do all the like various domains. He made the skeletal reindeer. Maybe he's the one making all the zombies to be nightmare before Falcovnia. <laughs> and he is like a wild card because he's clearly got his own agenda. He's not really a part of either. And he's really important to Jack's like plans and Jack's program. Mm-hmm. And he's got... There are ways that Oogie Boogie can work him or would be able to if Oogie Boogie were more subtle. Mm-hmm. That if really, I think the only reason he was, he's still with Jack is because Oogie Boogie isn't canny enough to take advantage of all of the, the potential fractures and fissures there. That, like, Sally is, she basically abandoned Dr. Finkelstein because of her infatuation with Jack. Mm-hmm. It'd be very easy to play on that. You could very easily do Dr. Finkelstein as this Morton High-mask character who really wants to do much darker, scarier experiments, but is being held back. You could do a version of him where he's given side-eye to Oogie Boogie and kind of wanting to, wanting to go over there, but Oogie Boogie is just so uncouth. Or if you wanted him to be sort of the mini-boss, mm-hmm. like he's the main antagonist, the PCs are tangling. You don't want to go the full Oogie stuff, he, but he's the main antagonist the PCs are tangling with because he wants to do bizarre experiments. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Jack kind of stops him, like mm-hmm. when Jack finds out. If you want to have a kind of a nicer Jack, and he's sort of the main villain that the, and even that's a villain the PCs can sort of beat. Yeah. Like they can beat Dr. Finkelstein and then Jack scolds him. You could have actually the Dr. Finkelstein is trying to manipulate Jack into being darker. Mm, that that would since be he yeah. is working with Jack and he sees Jack and you know he has this kind of paternal feelings for right. Jack that maybe he sees Jack as someone who needs to be guided. Yeah, absolutely. That, that could be interesting. That he's trying to kind of turn Jack into Oogie Boogie. And he's got his new lady creation, his new uh, Promethean, since we're doing, apparently doing. <laughs> We've had Mage and Right, yeah, we're apparently we're so. doing World of Darkness games. <laughs> um, his creation, Jewel Finkelstein. And we know nothing about her, and that's nice. That, that's a place you could go a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You could have her be that she's very loyal to him. You could have it be that she's sort of his good side or his bad side. You could have it be the idea that she's the one that can sort of outthink him because she is him. You could have it be that she's kind of, you know, resentful or jealous of Sally. You could have it be that she has got a great affection for Sally. We also don't know Sally's relationship to her at all. So this is something, because we just see like the one shot of, mm-hmm. of her at the end. We don't see any interactions. I think Sally kind of smiles when she sees the new... We just see the back of her head. Okay, like, yeah. Jack sees him and does a double take, and then okay. he looks to see Sally's reaction, and Sally is so beyond it, she doesn't even care. She's yeah, going yeah. off Spiral Hill. But so you, the GM then, you have a lot of places to build this kind of, whatever the most interesting soap opera for you and your players is going to be. And the great thing is that soap opera, that kind of weird relational triangle of the Finkelsteins, <laughs> is going to be something your PCs can interact with and something that's going to influence their their time in Halloween Town. It's going to influence how they interact with Halloween Town and how they like kind of overcome whatever challenges in Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. So to get to the the town itself as a setting, these are the NPCs, the relations, the political alliances. To get to the town itself as a setting. You know this, like, <laughs> there's, 
<laughs> Jack's Tower. There's Finkelstein's Lab. There's, there's the Town Spiral Square. Hill. There's Spiral Hill. There's a pumpkin. You, you, you maybe have Christmas ornaments. There's there's the lake where perhaps the lake monster found a head. You can buy little replicas of these for eighty dollars on Amazon. <laughs> but just a couple points. So first. We are managing at the town square, and then the witches have a shop where they sell mm-hmm. like potions, alchemical ingredients, things like that. And you do, because Jack throws the coin to the musicians when they're playing after uh, This is Halloween, when he's going to the, the graveyard, there's some kind of money, right? Mm-hmm. There's some kind of currency, there's some kind of economy. And so the witches have a shop, and that's from the video, that's the PS2 game. So your players, you know, it kind of makes sense. You can put witches, they make potions, yeah, they have yeah. a store. So they can go to the witch's shop and they can buy things, they can buy supplies, especially anything magical or alchemical. Mm-hmm. Then there's the issue of Sally. Like, Finkelstein seems ready for her to go. Maybe you want to have she still lives in Finkelstein's lab, but that I wouldn't do that. No. And the great thing is, to go back to the relational stuff, which is more interesting than the geography... <laughs> that we even have, like, Sally keeps escaping and doesn't want to be sort of controlled by him. When she drugs him and he falls asleep, she puts the blanket on. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, like, hatred. There's clearly more of a complex relationship yeah, there. there is affection there. So, like, he's not, you know, her horrible jailer. He's, like, her, her really overprotective dad. Mm-hmm. So maybe Sally has her own place, like, we see her hang out in the cemetery, so maybe there's a little or something in the cemetery, or maybe she just has a little, you know, house in somewhere in the town square or somewhere in Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. Maybe she lives in a big pumpkin, I don't know. And actually, talking about potions and alchemical stuff, Sally's good for that, too. We know that she's a consummate herbalist with her frog's breath and her worm's wart and fog juice, so that could also be a, a place to go to kind of get... Like, probably not as complex as what the witches can do, but some some herbal stuff done. Right, or it can even be the interconnection. Like, she works with the witches. She gets mm, herbs yeah, to yeah. sell them. And so that could be a way they go to the shop to buy some stuff. They meet Sally that way. Mm-hmm. Also, we see her doing cooking, so maybe she has kind of like a restaurant inn type thing. Mm-hmm. And once again, that could be a way for the players to hook in with Sally is they're like, hey, we're hungry. We don't want to eat skulls or <laughs> severed heads and like you smell a delicious smell of like stew coming from this little restaurant sally's place and you go and and you meet her and she welcomes you and says you're outlanders and so the first bowls on the house and blah 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 and then now you're friends with sally and then get your soup flavored with frog's breath Congratulations. Exactly. and now you're and now your pcs are friends with sally so you did a good job today gm so yeah, Halloween Town is Halloween Town. It's one of the most well-documented of any of these domains we're looking at in terms of the specific locations. We don't have to do spooky versions of any of these settings because yeah, right. it's Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. Everything's weird and geometric. <laughs> so we're talking about your PCs, meeting Sally, interacting with her, interacting with Dr. Finkelstein and Jewel. But let's talk about now how those interactions would look. Mm-hmm. What brings your PCs there? What do you do when you're there? Rachel, what do you do with it? Dread Possibilities Eventually, the mimic that had replaced my disappearing box decided it was tired of eating one victim at a time and began rampaging around my tent, and I used the distraction to cast invisibility and slip away. I knew that speaking to the Pumpkin King would likely end with me on stage again, and that my ultimate destination from there could well be the treehouse, so instead I took advantage of the opportunity to spy on him. The terror of the spectators caused him neither distress nor sadistic glee. Instead, he chortled over how much they were all enjoying themselves, even as the mirror maze turned their hair white with fear, and he genuinely seemed to believe it. 
perhaps the horror of the Harvest Festival is alive and well in Halloween Town after all. I could not consider my survey complete until I investigated the treehouse, so I crept there while still under the protection of invisibility. From a pit near its roots, I heard shrieks of terror, loud clockworks, and, of all things, rolling dice, with gibbering laughter over it all. The air was rich with the scent of a hearty, meaty stew, leaving little doubt as to the victim's ultimate fate. While Jack is unaware of how much his actions terrify humans, Oogie knows, and revels in it. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell, especially if it's in Halloween time. <laughs> so there's always a the question with these domains of why do you come here? Why do you end up here? And as we touched on in the previous section, there are many ways this could happen, and some of them involve your PCs having a choice and others don't. One is that your PCs are taken to kind of be NPCs, be figures in whatever lunatic fantasy Jack is bringing up. <laughs> you are Sandy Claus. You are going to be, you know, he's had Dr. Finkelstein has, like, whipped him up a replica of Castle Ravenloft, and you are going to be the adventurers who attack Castle Ravenloft, except one of you who has to be Irina. Congratulations. Yeah, right. <laughs> who looks best in a red mop wig. Yes. Or maybe you know, he wants to be you. He's heard about your amazing exploits. This could be especially after you've had some really major victory. Then maybe Jack wants to recreate it. So he's going to take you, consider it a vacation, mm -hmm. and you know, you're going to be with Oogie Boogie. There's nowhere in the world more comfortable than yeah, right. that. So Jack is going to go and, you know, assemble a couple of other Halloween Town residents to go be a party and relive your exploits. And you are going to be trying not to get made into Snake and Spider Stew. And this is like he brought you there to consult. Yes. Like, you know, with Sandy Claus with the hat. Mm -hmm. To sort of like. Give him some role-playing tips and like, mm -hmm. how would you walk? How would you like? Let me, how would you swing your sword at the zombie? Like, show me. Oh, okay, like that. Thank you. And then in that case, you're trying to talk Jack into letting you go. If that doesn't work, you get taken to Oogie Boogie. You have to escape Oogie Boogie, and then you have to rescue all of your NPC friends from this bizarre skeleton who's claiming to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that you could do is, you know, if you don't want the PCs to be taken, then maybe some NPCs who are important either to the setting overall or just to your PCs gets taken. You know, Van Richten gets taken. Yeah. Ez gets taken. Alanek. Uh, Alanek, the Weathermite Foxgroves. Right. Yeah, any, any of those, like, major NPCs could get taken. Or just, again, if you have some person who's important in the PC's lives, who you think would be, you know, have a life that would be interesting enough to draw Jack's attention, then that person could get taken by Jack. If there's the inn that's kind of their home base, then, like, the innkeeper gets taken because Jack thinks it would be fun to have, like, an adventure in. Yeah. Or to be an innkeeper for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And that's the one where it's intentional. That's mm -hmm. the one where you, your PCs choose to go to Halloween Town. Mm -hmm. The others are, you're just swept up in Jack's lunacy. <laughs> Speaking of swept up in Jack's lunacy, the other option is if we're doing kind of the carnival version, then Halloween Town drops down on wherever you're staying and is just doing its madness and you are stuck being the recipients of the gifts slash the audience of their version of carnival slash fighting off the zombie horde or being the zombie horde, whatever bizarre wackiness Jack happens to be doing. So this is, in the movie, you are kind of a combination, as we said, of the people getting the bizarro gifts 
and the soldier shooting at Jack. Mm -hmm. So you are A, running around putting out the fires, possibly literally, (laughs) and B, trying to either convince Jack to stop or just sort of try and redirect him to a less horrible <laughs> course of action to sort of ride it out to like it's it's you know christmas morning or he gets bored and moves on mm-hmm. yeah just kept running around doing doing damage reduction as much as you can <laughs> and the great thing is that before christmas your players probably would have a fun time just running around dealing with killer ducks and evil wreaths and <laughs> just sort of putting out Jack's fire. Yes, trying to stop up the chimneys. And then you even can try to be, you know, getting through to Jack and getting him to have that poor Jack in the cemetery moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the main story that we have here is surviving Jack's bizarre funhouse world. And it might be because you've gone there on purpose to rescue somebody. It might be because you've just been drawn into it unintentionally. There are some ways you can bring in additional stuff if you want to. If you're really interested in this idea of the warring aspects of Halloween, which I personally am madly in love with. I I would be all over this idea. Especially if you're going to Halloween Town Mm -hmm. and want to engage with more of the... Halloween Town residents and the kind of setting as we've established. It. Yeah. Another thing that's going on here is that Oogie Boogie is trying to be the true king of Halloween, right? So that means that he's going to be trying to find ways to either, you know, undermine Jack, make him look foolish, kind of make the other people of Halloween Town lose their confidence in Jack. Or he might be trying to find ways to make Jack's escapades bloodier and more violent. That this is kind of the sacrifice that feeds him as a Halloween god. And he's going to be kind of tricking Jack into bringing even deadlier and deadlier Christmas toys to deliver. Into, uh, like, having much less concern about whether or not the zombies that he's fighting are Dr. Finkelstein's clockwork creation or actual people dressed up as zombies. That Oogie Boogie is going to be feeding on whatever bloodshed Jack is causing while he's pretending to look the other way and not notice that it's happening like he did with Sandy Claus. This is the thing that we are imagining. This is Ravenloft. This is a darker version of Nightmare Before Christmas. So in this version, that wreath ate that lady. Mm -hmm. Like, she's dead. Yeah. And maybe... This is what kind of why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Be with Jack. That this is like the old blood sacrifices. This is like the werewolf and the clown with the tearaway face tearing away people's faces. Yeah. This is Halloween killing people. And deep down, this is what Jack wants because he's the god of Halloween, and this is what Halloween was originally supposed to be about. This is the emptiness inside of him is being filled with blood and murder. And he would never acknowledge that because he's kind of the domesticated version of Halloween, but that is what's making him feel satisfied. In in feeding Oogie Boogie, since Oogie Boogie is him, he's feeding himself. That's a pretty grim possibility, and that is something we're going to touch on a little bit more. Once again, to keep in the spirit of the episode, we've jumped ahead a little bit. That's a lot <laughs> of what sorry, we're touching on. I'm sorry, guys. This on. episode is all over the place. We we apologize. <laughs> it's all. It's like with the with the yield trait and bonds all interconnected. Like it's yes. hard to talk about one part as they're talking about all the rest. Of it's it. like because the domain is weird, the Dark Lord is weird, and the adventure hooks are weird, and that we all have to be touching on all of their weirdness all at once. So. I really apologize if this episode makes sense to absolutely no one but us. The next episode's going to be much more normal. <laughs> it's not a weird, like, mystical psycho realm of the concept of the <laughs> Autumnal Harvest Festival of Death. It's just like a place with people in it. So, before we 
keep jumping back into that, though we've previewed a little bit. Before we get the aging up, let's get into the aging down, which is the first of our dread possibilities. Yes, when we do our dread possibilities, we like to talk about aging down and aging up, because we figure there are going to be two kinds of people listening to this podcast, or one person who incorporates both sides of this person. Like Jack and Oogie Boogie. Like Jack and Oogie Boogie, yes. Our Jack side is you want to do something lighter, you want to jam for kids. You're listening to a Ravenloft Disney podcast because you love the idea of jamming Ravenloft, and you want to specifically jam it for your spooky kids without giving them nightmares. So you're like, ooh, Disney. So that's what our Agent Dow section is about, with less grim blood and murder. Yeah, We're right. running this less for your human kids. sacrifice. Yes. Our Asian Up section is where we have more human sacrifice, because we figure you don't have to have kids to love Nightmare Before Christmas or Disney movies in general. You might be looking at this for inspiration for running Ravenloft for your adult groups, and in that case, you might want to look at some of this horror stuff head on. So, Aging Down is when we look at running this for kids. Aging Up is our Oogie Boogie, where we look at doing this as just straight horror, no breaks. The Ravenloft side of the equation. <laughs> so, Aging Down. You probably can guess it's kind of do Nightmare Before Christmas. It's really, don't get into the metaphysics of Jack is the Dark no! Lord. Just Gosh. have it. It's Oogie is the Dark Lord. If you have to have a Dark Lord, Jack is still doing his stuff. He's still taking holidays or domains or adventure experiences or domestic lives or whatever. And it's very goofy. The lady's not eaten by the wreath. <laughs> And it's much goofier violence. You know, if you chop the zombies up, they're just sort of like their head is complaining and telling their body to come find them and stick them back on. And this is even you rescue Jack from his tunnel vision. Yes. Well, in this version, Oogie's the Dark Lord. His torment is he'll never be king of Halloween. He's kind of manipulating Jack into doing this bad stuff. And you give Jack that graveyard moment of realization of mm -hmm. saying, no, this is wrong. I should just go back to being the king of Halloween and doing Halloween and not wreaking misery on people's holidays. And they feel really good. They feel really happy. Maybe it snows. Everybody sings a reprise of what's this. And then, boop, on to the next domain. Job well done for your little PCs. <laughs> also, presumably, Santa Claus is just fine. Either, yeah, right. Either but, don't touch on it at all, or he's just still captured Nogi Boogie Sinica Terescu. You could even do a, a boss fight with Oogie, and then they tear him open, like, all the bugs spill out, and also all the captured people spill out. Oh, I like that! Right, yeah, I like, like yeah, the classic, goes, yeah. Bleh, bleh, bleh. right, yeah. The classic, like, cutting open the big bad wolf, and everybody's Right, and everybody comes out, and it's yeah. all fine. Yeah. Oh, I like that, yeah. And then it can snow, and new reprise of what's this. Mm -hmm. But let's say, once again, you're more on the <laughs> Ravenloft, Oogie Boogie <laughs> side of our equation. Rachel, let can we get this, like, real dark? We absolutely can. Yes, not just, like, a goofy lark. Not just a goofy oh, lark, good. no. So if you have kids in the room, future Rachel is going to come in and tell you how far to skip ahead now. This is future Rachel. Honestly, this section didn't get a whole lot darker than what we've already been talking about, especially what we said happened to Santa Claus. We're pretty much just talking about how to do a horror version of Nightmare Before Christmas that still feels anything like this wonderful goofy lark of a movie. We do, you know, that does me talking about horror versions of the characters and some of the things that Jack Skellington does to, like, toys and whatnot that maybe he could do those to people. But we talk about that pretty obliquely. Uh, honestly, if your kids are fine with what they've heard so far and they were in the room, they should be fine with this. But if you do want to skip ahead, then go ahead about nine and a half minutes to around an hour 36 or so. A big part of aging up is going to be really playing into that idea of, you know, the blood sacrifice, the grim awfulness. I was having trouble with this 
for a while because, you know, as you've mentioned, Nightmare Before Christmas is my favorite movie. I love Jack Skellington just the way he is. I really don't want there to be an evil murder hobo version of Jack Skellington. Eat human souls ah! and blood and blah, blah, blah. Like, even though he canonically has frightened millions into an early grave, right. I, don't, I don't want that Jack Skellington. But spoilers for genres of horror, because if this was the... You know, once again, we're jumping around, because that's this right, episode. Yeah, that's so spoilers for genres of horror, the linchpin for me figuring out what I wanted to do with Jack was thinking about genres of horror and realizing that if you've seen Gravity Falls, you could really do Jack as a more affable version of Bill Cipher. If you haven't seen Gravity Falls, stop right now. Go yeah. watch Gravity Falls. We'll wait. Gravity Falls is way better than totally anything we could bring it, yeah. you. Yeah. Bill Cipher is Baby's first elder god. Right. He's just cosmic horror bringing chaos and madness to the world. And that's what Jack is doing, but he thinks it's fun and he thinks it's what people want. You can totally see the idea of these people falling into the hands of this lunatic god who's making everything dark and sinister and twisted, but he thinks it's what people want. He thinks it's fun because one night a year it is. Right. Life's no fun without a good skin. Yes. And all of that stuff, you know, the, the 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 duck and the vampire doll and the wreath and the snake, that would be so fun on Halloween, but you're not looking for it on Christmas. <laughs> but he's bringing it every day of the year and he's bringing it everywhere you're going. And so just that version of Jack really playing up that sense that he wants to bring chaos and darkness, but not because he's, like, evil and wants to destroy everything, but because he thinks that's what people want. Right, because on Halloween night, that's what we want. We yes. want fear. Mm -hmm. We want macabre morbidity and terror, and we want that the shadow on the moon at night filling our dreams to the brim with fright. Mm -hmm. But that's the only button he has to push, is horror. Mm -hmm. So he's making everything horror, and that juxtaposition can be goofy, and that juxtaposition can be horrifying. So doing that as a version of Jack Skellington is really the thing that, that made the idea of evil Jack work for me. And hopefully it'll work for you. Right. If it doesn't, I'm about to talk about some ways to kind of make Jack more evil and more sinister. If you don't want to have Jack be Bill Cipher, but you also don't want to have evil Jack Skellington, another option here is to kind of have it be more of an homage that you're doing sort of just this weird Harvest Festival-based domain, and maybe you have a skeleton ruler in a pinstripe suit, but his name isn't Jack Skellington, mm. because... That way you're kind of separating from the goofiness of Nightmare Before Christmas because that movie is so wonderfully goofy. You're separating from the idea that Jack Skellington is a fundamentally good and decent person or skeleton or pumpkin king or whatever. Dude. Yeah. And that can let you really dig into the horror of the concept of a Halloween-based domain and of these, these kind of like dual gods. Sort of dark harvest gods. Yes without having the baggage of, you know, goofy Nightmare Before Christmas. But I have a plushie of him. Yes. Both making it silly and making you kind of hate yourself. <laughs> so for this darker version, one possibility is to have Jack be more conscious of what's going on, that he's kind of deliberately letting Oogie do this, that we kind of have this version where he is 
deluding himself, but if you ever pointed out that he was doing it, he would be horrified, he'd be in denial, he wouldn't believe that he was doing this thing. But you could have there be a version of this where he is much more consciously being the good cop to Oogie's bad cop. Another possibility, we kind of have this idea of Jack and Oogie as being sort of equal figures, but you could have it be that one of them is kind of the true self and the other one is the mask. You could have it be that Oogie Boogie is the real god of Halloween, the real king of Halloween, and that Jack Skellington is just sort of this, like, affable mask he wears with no real consciousness of its own. Almost kind of like doing the mayor with his two faces with this. That it's right, only, yeah, only yeah. one of them is really conscious at a time. And in that case, you know, the torment would be that everyone likes his fake self better than his real self. Mm-hmm. And that he has to play it being this this fake Jack Skellington. Or again, you could have it be that Oogie Boogie is a mask. Jack is deliberately being evil, but he has to have this good cop, bad cop persona. So he's kind of created Oogie Boogie as this evil shadow self that everyone can put their negative feelings on while he goes on getting all the love. Sort of a boyle-esque there. Another way that you could make it darker is by making Sally a darker figure. And again, if I were to do this, I probably wouldn't have her be Sally. I'd have it be this very abstracted, you know, homage. Susie Ragdoll. (laughs) But you could have... This would really be an, a fun way to pull one over on your yeah, PCs. Yeah, right. Really, Rianne Johnson, your player Yeah, because they're going to be expecting Sally to be their best friend. But the obvious kind of solution here is to have Jack and Oogie unite into one being, right? That the, their whole torment is because they're split in two, and so neither of them is complete. In our metaphysic, that is the thing that will give Jack peace. Mm-hmm. That is the oogie boogie sort of the emptiness. Is he's mm-hmm. missing oogie boogie, and it's having him and his shadow become one person again. That is the thing that would ease the ennui and the emptiness mm-hmm. he's trying to fill with these externals. In <laughs> our version of this, Harvey Dent needs to accept big bad Harv. He needs to accept his negative feelings. It's like drink for <laughs> generate color generational pop culture nerdery. And so you could have this version of Sally who's manipulating the PCs trying to kind of bring Jack and Oogie together. That rather than being on team, I want to save Jack just for his own sake, and then we can have smooches. It can be team, I want to bring Jack and Oogie Boogie together, and then he can be my evil pumpkin king, and I will be his evil pumpkin queen, and we will have evil smooches. The great thing here is it even is still from a place potentially of authentic love. Yes. That Sally recognizes, just like with how she's the only one that recognizes what's going on, how bad an idea this is, she is the one that recognizes the divided Pumpkin King mm-hmm. and who knows the only way to actually make Jack happy and give him peace is to reunite him with his shadow self. Mm-hmm. And then the other big thing we thought of for aging up, making it darker, is you know, with Jack's obsession, you've got the part where he's like dissecting the teddy bears and stuff. Yeah, yeah you see where we're going. You see where we're going with this. It's pretty easy to see where this can go. And, you know, once again, if I were to do that, the big thing is with some of the other domains that we've made extremely dark, like, say, Encanto. <laughs> we sure, boy, have mm-hmm. Um, with Encanto, all the thematic darkness was there. We did not bring a single drop of thematic darkness to Encanto. It was all right there. With Nightmare Before Christmas, all this like crazy harvest god this duality. Is, this is all us. This is kind of our own weird like thoughts about Halloween. Yes. And its role in society. So we're sorry to subject yes. you to this, but it's our podcast. Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. Ultimately, with Halloween Town... 
the darkness is all aesthetic. There's no thematic darkness to Nightmare Before Christmas. It's so goofy. It's, it's such so a fun. fun, fluffy movie. And so if you wanted to be doing this setting that had a lot of thematic darkness, and once again, my way of doing it would be to really try to divorce it from Nightmare Before Christmas, have it be very kind of loosely inspired by Nightmare Before Christmas. That said, it's your game, it's your table. If you think that your table would have a lot of fun with, you know, Jack Skellington dissecting people and secretly being evil, then by all means, have a blast. Go for it. These, these are just you know, kind of our personal thoughts on how we would make it work for ourselves. I feel comfortable saying everybody loves Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. And if you don't, you're the you're the problem. <laughs> if you don't, why are you listening to yeah, this right. episode? You tell us the title. But everybody was. loves Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> but we all have different kinds of feelings and things we love about it. Mm-hmm. And you and your players just kind of come up with your own way you want to interact with Nightmare Before Christmas as a Ravenloft game. Mm-hmm. Maybe as a goofy lark. Maybe as a serious exploration about the idea of Halloween. Maybe a serious exploration about the idea of duality and the acceptance of one's negative self. Just if, if you loved Nightmare Before Christmas because it was so fun and goofy, go with that. If you love Nightmare Before Christmas because seeing a like dark grayscale Disney movie full of skeletons blew the top off your head, then go yeah. with that. This is also the section where we talk about AUs, mm-hmm. alternate takes. And, we, and we kind of did a bunch of that just oh, now yeah. with the aging up section. Here are like a half dozen ways to make this darker and more adult horror. I have one more final suggestion. It's not even much of an AU, but it technically is in our setting. Because our setting is Jack's kind of moved way past Christmas. Mm-hmm. He's like been doing this for maybe centuries now. He's cycled through holidays and he's so the whole sky's the limit in terms of what thing Jack is doing when your players interact with him. Boogie Boogie's eaten so many people. Yes, so many people. (laughs) But what if he hasn't gone past Christmas? So let's say it's December and you're running a session for your players in Ravenloft (laughs) and it's you, you talk about how they come to this town and the winter solstice festival is coming up. Mm-hmm. The Yule Tide, and like Father Yule is going to come and give presents. And they're like, oh, okay, doing a Christmas one. All right, wonder what we're going to do. Maybe Scrooge. That's got ghosts. And then you have it's like the night, the solstice eve, and they start to hear screams, and there are rampaging toys, and they have to fight the rampaging toys and save the little children and the old lady from getting eaten by a wreath. And they look up. And suddenly the Yule Father looks like a skeleton in a Yule Father <laughs> costume. And they're like, holy bananas, we're doing Nightmare Before Your Christmas. Your players will pee themselves. Yeah, they will be. <laughs> they will have so much fun. So if it's December, it's you're running Ravenloft looking for something to do, just... You're welcome. Like, you're welcome. Do Nightmare Before Christmas. Make them think you're doing a Christmas, but you're doing a nightmare. And that's technically in our setting an AU, but I want everybody listening to do it. Spoilers for the players in my Ravenloft game. One of whom is sitting next to me. You're right. So, I'll act surprised. So, the other room is probably going to listen to this. So that is a a pretty exhaustive like look at different iterations of this core possibility. Yeah. And let's then go into our parting thoughts in a section that we like to call Parting Thoughts. Parting 
So we start our parting thoughts section with a discussion of the genre of horror. And we mentioned there was a little bit of a spoiler here. Cosmic horror. Yeah. That this is the fundamental... I was leaning cosmic horror just in terms of being an insane funhouse version of reality. Mm -hmm. And then... Rachel was cool and got into, like, an actual, like, darker, horrific iteration of that same core idea. I could tell that I was really grokking this darker version of Nightmare much more than Tom was, and I realized that it was because I was really grokking this fundamental idea of Jack Skellington as Bill Cipher. And so that's the core horror here, Mm -hmm. is cosmic horror, that it is a twisted version of reality, and even the fact that this is this powerful being from another reality imposing that reality and that makes things horrifying Mm -hmm. imposing halloween on (laughs) everything and for a second one i believe you mentioned you had a like tenuous thought for a second one i have a couple actually i have i have two thoughts for a second one that both of which i like and one is for the carnival version, and that is you could actually do kind of like a slasher with mm, it. Interesting. The idea, because the idea is Jack is going to all these houses and delivering the crazy gifts or whatever, or kidnapping the people and just trying to stop them. And he is kind of taking people one by one, or, you know, delivering horrible time bombs to people one by one, mm-hmm. and that you're trying to stop that. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, one is, one is Jack is slasher. The other is if you're doing the Mist Island version, then you are going to this community where everyone has ah, bizarre different rules oh. and worships this horrible harvest god and is bringing you in and acting as though things are for your own good, but you're actually being drawn into their malevolent paradigm that's going to kill you. This is folk horror out the world. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. Everyone hail to the pumpkin king. Who is in a wicker man? Right, yeah, who burns himself in a wicker man. <laughs> I like it. That's, the, that's neat. That's Thank a you. very, like... Yeah, because if you're doing the Mist Island, then that is basically Volcar. Mm-hmm. That you are coming to a bizarre, twisted place with bizarre, twisted beliefs and practices. So good on you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was thinking like maybe Dark Fantasy just mm-hmm. for you're sort of engaging on that kind of mythos level. You're engaging with the narrative mm-hmm. of what does Halloween mean. But that's 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 good. That's Thank way you. better. Our thing we like to do here is talk about what type of story, what type of game you play in this setting. There are some domains where, like Barovia and Curse of Strahd, where you can do a whole campaign, like Curse of Strahd, where mm-hmm. there's tons of plot hooks, tons of NPCs, where there's just months and months and months and months and months, if not years and years, of gameplay possibilities around that domain. There are others that are one specific sort of adventure, one specific story, where you're expected to just go in and do one thing and then leave. This is one, I think, even more than a lot of the others we've done that is like one adventure. Yes. There's one story here. That there is the story of either, as we said, you are just living your Ravenloft life and then a skeleton comes and makes everything weird, or you go to skeleton land Mm -hmm. and everything's weird. Either you're kidnapped and you have to escape, or someone else is kidnapped and you have to rescue them. Because with this only being one story, even more so than other ones, we are deliberately doing this as a very archetypal story. There's not a lot of like psychological depth here. So with Encanto, there's only the one story, but there are all these psychologically well-realized NPCs you are going to be going in, learning about their relationships, trying to pull all of them out. It's one story, but it's a story that could take several sessions. And this really, there's, there's not a lot of depth here, deliberately. Like, if you have... 
like four hour sessions. This is one session. Mm-hmm. This is one of those. Mm-hmm. Maybe two tops. Mm-hmm. And this is even like two if you want to dig into all the background and politics we've come up with with Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be two sessions. Yeah. So how do we then incorporate this? What ways could they interact with Halloween Town living their regular Ravenloft lives? Well, as mentioned, one of the things that we're doing here, one of the ideas you can take is having Jack sort of ape one of the domains that the PCs have already been to. And that could be literally any domain. He could be, you know, having Dr. Finkelstein build him a crazy train so that they can be doing Cyro 1313. He can be doing the the Damon Lou masked ball. He can be inviting you to a dinner party full of poison with poison plants that you have to survive because you pretend to be a Vana today. There are just any option you want to do for kind of doing a weird parody version of the domains that you've already visited, he can do that. He can do, like, his version of a mod you've run. If you've run House of Lament or a certain section of Curse of Strahd, then maybe Jack heard about this and thought it was neat, and he wants to build his own House of Lament, Dagnabbit. There are a couple ways that could work. One could be if he's bringing a different domain to the domain that you're currently in. So, you know, he's dropping his weird, like, Daemon Lu costume ball thing into the middle of Falcovnia, and there's all this zombie survival horror, or, you know, man's inhumanity to man horror, depending on what Falcovnia you're doing, and suddenly there's a fancy costume party, and the incongruity of that could be extremely fun, and seeing the other NPCs reacting to that could be fun. Another possibility could be if he's trying to kind of, you know, again, he wants to take that domain, but he bets he could improve it. So he's <laughs> going to Damon Lu and throwing his own better costume party. Or he, he's going to Mordant and he's doing his own Mordentish ghost story, but it's wrong. Everything's not quite right. You're investigating these ghosts and they're not acting the way the ghosts are supposed to. So you either one of those kind of incongruities, those weird, twisted versions of the domains could work and could be really fun. And the reveal that it's Jack Skellington yes! <laughs> is going to be a great moment. It's like, have your, have your phone recording, because it's going be, <laughs> to be a heck of a moment. The other interesting thing you might actually be able to do with this, speaking of folk horror, is you might be able to do something with Tepest, because Lorinda is actually trying to do to the tithe what kind of has already been done to Jack. She wants it to be this, like, fun, happy, joyous celebration, right? She doesn't want people to think about someone's going to be sacrificed. So you could actually play into the idea of Jack being sort of this representation of what Lorinda wants the tithe to be versus Oogie Boogie being the darkness of what it is. I'm not sure exactly how you bring that into a Tempest session, but it would be a really interesting thematic thing to play with doing Halloween Town either before or after doing a Tempest session. Or you could, if you have players that you know have read the book or familiar with Ravenloft, this could be a fun curveball. They go to Tepest and they think like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Sumer is coming in and then boom, uh-huh. Jack Skellington. Boom, Jack Skellington. It's a bizarro Jack Skellington version of the Tithe. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, actually. Jack Skellington is doing his version of the Tithe games and they're all horrible Halloween games. Right, they're all like severed head bowling and... 
So we wrap with talking about strengths and challenges of this doing this domain, running this adventure. We hope we've pitched you enough ideas that you've gone, ooh, I want to do that with at least one of them. What are the strengths? What are the challenges? As we kind of step back away from Halloween Town, reluctant as we might be to do that. Oh, gosh. And strengths is great. Mm-hmm. We're reluctant to step away from it. It's Halloween Town. You love Nightmare Before Christmas. Your players, whatever their age, probably love Nightmare Before Christmas. There's the immediate engagement you're going to have no work at all to get your players to care about and like and interact with Jack or Sally or Oogie Boogie. And that this is also a great way if you want to do a kind of commentary meta parody of stuff you've done so far. (laughs) So if you've seen Avatar, there's the episode Ember Island Players. If you kind of want to do a, a spooky Halloween Ember Island players of your game, like you're just running <laughs> Curse of Strahd, you're just running Curse of Strahd, like totally normal, and then you have this like two-parter where suddenly they wake up and Strahd's a skeleton in a wig and is doing this like bizarre burlesque of the cur- <laughs> of Curse of Strahd. <laughs> Like that's gonna He's be... being Twitter strawed and talking about his capes all the time. Right, that's gonna Hi, be Twitter strawed. <laughs> that's gonna be so much fun for your players. That's gonna be so great. And the fact that it's Jack Skellington doing his version of Barovia, like that's gonna make it work even more fun. And you can like engage with the story, you can avoid getting murdered by toys or whatever. And then you can either survive it or convince Jack to stop. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a fantastic time. And then you're back to your Curse of Strahd game. Only there's a lot a lot more running jokes and memes for people to reference. <laughs> and if you're doing the darker version, you know, again, there's a lot of really good, juicy, thematic stuff there to sink your teeth into. And maybe, maybe it's just us. I, I'm yeah, right. super into this, like, like, dark and light side of Halloween thing. I want to do a game exploring the concept of what is Halloween. And if you feel like your table wants that, especially if they're grown-ups and can dig into some of the darker aspects, some of the sort of innuendo of the holiday, then this could be a blast and a good, like, structure to do that premise. Mm-hmm. But that kind of ties us into some of our challenges, which is... If you want to do something that's kind of that dark and serious, it's going to be real tricky tonally doing it with Halloween Town. Doing straight Halloween Town Ember Island players like Jack Skellington is doing the tithe games. It's going to be goofy. And if you're fine with having a couple of goofy sessions, then fantastic. Have fun. That's going to be great. But if you want to kind of have this darker, more serious tone, if you want to have a consistent tone of horror, that's going to be tricky. Don't, don't do this. Don't basically. do this. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, if you have it be, you know, dark and scary, if you if you want it to be this, this darker version, then for a lot of tables, having it be Nightmare Before Christmas isn't going to be as fun because, again, we love Jack Skellington. We don't want him to be evil. We don't want the werewolf to actually be eating people. We don't want the witches to be, you know, acting like they're in the movie The Witch with Anya Taylor. Right, we don't want like, the clown with the tearaway face to be... Ter- if you had the clown with the tearaway face tearing off people's faces, there's a little like, oh, that's very dark and edgy nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> so getting the tone right, we were telling a friend that we were planning on doing Nightmare Before Christmas as our October episode, and he said that doing Nightmare Before Christmas in Ravenloft almost seemed like it would be parody. 
And it, once again, if that's like, what you want... That's a lot of what we're giving yes. you is parody. <laughs> I mean, we, we cited Ember Island players, yeah, right. for gosh sakes. <laughs> so just very, very tricky to give your you and your players what they love about Nightmare Before Christmas as a serious horror setting. Yes. Like, that that can go wrong. That can just be dumb really fast. Because mm-hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas is such a perfect movie tonally that it's so, again, aesthetically dark without being thematically dark. And so, again, I, for me personally, if I were to bring in thematic darkness, I would have it just be much more of an homage and, you know, not have the characters' names be the same and change a bunch of the stuff so it's not as obviously an Amber Before Christmas. So, strengths, challenges, whatever's best for your table, whatever iteration's best for your table. There's a lot of good here. There's some challenges here, but we hope we've at least given you some fun thoughts about My Amber Before Christmas and some fun stuff to think about. And if you haven't seen Gravity Falls, go watch it now. It's also on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so, before we rejoin our narrator and find out where she's going next, Let's talk about how, if you do run this, or if you do have some ideas mm-hmm. about how to run this, some things we haven't thought of, how you can reach out and contact us. Well, you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. That is also where you will be able to find one of our polls for mm-hmm. how you want us to do our ideal trait bonded flaw. The other poll is going to be on Twitter. And on Twitter, Wonderful World of Dark Lords is too long. Wonderful Dark Lords is also too long. So you can find us on Twitter at Wonder Dark Lords. Let it never be said, we are serious all the time. <laughs> we are not going to have an element of goofiness. And if you like our work, you like how we adapt things, you want to take this and run this because you're like, ah, tone be darned, I'm going to run this and it's going to be great. Then I'm going to write up our kind of canon version that the others were iterations of. I'm going to write it up as a domain in the Van Richten's Guide style. I'm going to put it on DMs Guild for free. We'll link to it in the show notes. I did all our domains. So you have that as a resource to run adventures for your players. And if you do, please tell us. Yes. We would love to hear. Yes, please. <laughs> we would love to hear about uh, people actually running these. But we also, I've adapted a couple of horror movies into D&D adventures, into sometimes specifically Ravenloft adventures. If you just check Tom Kohler, click on other works by this author, then you can check those out for yourself. We also have some resources for running horror or more spooky themed games for younger players. If once again, you're like, I really like the advice they've given and I want to run, but sp- I have spooky little children, but I don't want to traumatize them with my D&D game. We, we- hear you. So do we. Yes. So there might be some stuff that'd be helpful to you there. Once again, just looking for Tom Kohler on DMs Guild, you can find what we've done. And then for me, if you like the way that we bring together spooky stuff and kids stuff, I have a picture book, Mother Ghost Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters, which is exactly what it says on the tin. And if you go to my website, www.rachelkohler.com, K-O-L-A-R, like polar but with a K, you can find the short stories that I've written for adults. This is future Rachel jumping in with one more contribution. The problem with recording these episodes so far in advance is that every now and then something like this will happen where one of our wonderful contributors has something come out and we haven't recorded a plug for them because it wasn't out when we recorded the episodes. So if you enjoy the bits at the end that Azalyn writes for us, and really, who doesn't, because those bits are absolutely fantastic, then you are in luck because you can get more content written by Azalyn and 
four of the other Twitter Dark Lords. So there is a supplement on DM's Guild called The Mist Manuscripts, which was written by Azalyn, Jacqueline Rainier, Strahd von Zarovic, Sturm von Zarovic, the sad middle child of the von Zarovic family, who is also the best of all of them, and that gosh dang broom from Death House. And each of them have written at least one domain Jack Lennernier wrote to. New domains, new dark lords, all wonderful flavors of horror. It's pay what you want. And the proceeds are going to go to Jasper's Game Day, which is a charity for suicide awareness and suicide prevention in the gaming community. That's a cause that's really near and dear to my heart and to the hearts of, I know, all of the dark lords. And you could also, Watsy does take a cut, so you could always do the suggested 175 donation on the website and then head straight over to Jasper's Game Day's website and give a larger donation there so that they see more of it. Just, you know, throwing that possibility out there. It's a wonderful supplement. I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Once again, it's called The Mist Manuscripts, and Dark Lords, you rule. Thank you for listening, and happy gaming. Parting thoughts. I do not know if I have ever felt so much relief upon leaving a domain as I did upon leaving Halloween Town. Maleficent's evil was terrifying, Scar's petty cruelty was destructive, but I would almost prefer either to Jack's joyfully alien mindset. The other lords knew themselves to be doing evil. The Pumpkin King believes himself to be a bringer of wonder and delight, even as the recipients of his whimsy beg him for mercy. When I at last entered the mists near the treehouse, my icicle mist talisman numbed my hand, but I didn't mind. The cold never bothered me anyway. Regards, D. Though this report was not requested, my little scholar's devotion to her research has not gone without notice. If this king ever attempts to escond with what is mine, he will experience the full extent of my displeasure. The magic tutelage bestowed upon you was not meant for parlor tricks. While Jack forces his people to participate in senseless festivities, Oogie Boogie appears to grasp the true spirit of what once was Halloween Town. It is no true revelation that this Pumpkin King's ceaseless pursuit of mimicking the role of another has created divided loyalties among his people. After all, it is often the people that suffer when their ruler foregoes responsibilities in favor of debauchery. Skellington operates on delusions of grandeur, yet there are signs of awareness of what he once was. For one, his laughter at the gruesome displays is akin to the evolution of autumn festivals. Perhaps a bit of his original spirit remains. For another, his willingness to turn a blind eye to the fate of those he has captured may act as a sacrifice, as their most likely fate is incorporation into Oogie Boogie's stew. I do wonder if Jack possesses the ability to retain one such as is sold outside of her own carnival. If so, he may be more than a mere maniacal nuisance.
This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through MuseOpen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Twitter at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. Thanks for listening. So, then I sneezed. (laughs) Our thing we like to do here is talk about what type of story, what type of game you play in this setting. And there's some... (laughs) (laughs) We're not finishing tonight. We're going to be too busy sneezing. Yeah, right. (laughs) The hubris, uh, the gods are punishing my hubris.